across the globe. The women are the main food producers. The women are the people who are centered to everything, to the livelihoods of a human being. We know very well, women can do it. Women can change the world, be a better world. I'm Tanya Kirsten, and this is Foodtopias, the podcast from Real Food Media that shares stories and strategies for reimagining our relationship to food, to the land, and to each other. I was honored recently to be invited by a growing culture to participate in a broadcast featuring Elizabeth Mupofu, a small-scale organic farmer and a globally recognized leader in the peasant movement for food sovereignty. She is General Coordinator of the International Peasant Confederation, La Via Campesina, and the Founder and Chairperson of ZIMSOF, the Zimbabwe Smallholder Organic Farmers Forum. As a farmer, she practices agroecology, and as an activist, she advocates for policies that promote agroecological farming, food sovereignty, and women's rights in her home country of Zimbabwe and throughout the African continent and the world. This episode of Foodtopias is an excerpt from our conversation. La Via Campesina is an international confederation of over 200 million, it may be 300 million uh, by now, small farmers, herders, fisher people, and farm workers from 182 organizations in 81 countries. So it's been called the largest social movement in the world. In less than 30 years, it's reached impressive levels of global influence. For example, advocating for food sovereignty and peasants' rights at the United Nations. Um, I've been really fortunate to visit places with active peasant farmers associations from Cuba and Honduras to the Basque country of Spain to Senegal. I've always been blown away by the experimentation and innovations of peasant farmers, and especially women farmers, while at the same time often resisting violent forces like military repression, land grabbing, and the climate crisis. Even with those massive challenges, peasant farmers, primarily in the global south, grow more than two thirds of the food that people actually eat. So let me say that again. Peasant farmers, not industrial agriculture, feed the world. And they do it on far less land and with a much smaller carbon footprint. So with that said, and for all of these reasons and so much more, I'm so, so pleased and humbled to welcome Elizabeth Mupofu to this program. Do you want to start by just introducing yourself and and where you're speaking to us from? Thank you, Tanya. I'll just briefly talk a little bit of myself. I am a practical woman farmer who is really dedicated to the livelihood of the peasants, especially the rural women who are the majority of food producers. I grew up in a family which also depended its livelihood through farming. And that is when I got much interest in farming, taking care of the land, of the livestock, 
and also working together with other rural women because I saw that when I was growing up, the rural women, especially the rural women who were in the community where I was living, they were really not respected, not taken as important people in the society. That is why I dedicated myself to really work with the rural women and to take up the role of a woman to see how best we can fight and struggle together as women for our recognition, for our respect. I wanted to start with just establishing the definition of food sovereignty. You know, here in the United States, a lot of people activate around food justice, but food sovereignty is something that really comes out of of the movement that you are a part of and that you are a leader in, um, La Via Campesina. Can you remind us what is the definition of food sovereignty and also maybe what makes this concept so different from food security? To begin with, we know very well, food security has been the concept which has been used for ages and ages. Food security, to me, and to us as peasants, as La Via Cambacina. This means that we eat just abundance of food. You don't have the knowledge on how it was produced. Is it healthy food or how does it really associate with the environment, with the health of the people? Now, when we come back to food sovereignty, this concept really takes care of the health of the people and you produce the food which is appropriate and which is also healthy and also the producers themselves they can also define the way they want to produce without being told how to produce how to do it so food sovereignty it is a right the right of people to their appropriate good healthy food and also it has this cultural aspect not necessarily the industrial family system which brings about the food security concept yeah my friend raj patel has said um about the difference between food sovereignty and food security that you can be food secure in prison which i think is interesting because of course you know, food sovereignty, that word sovereignty is really points to, it's about liberation and that when you control your own food, nobody can control you. Exactly. You know, you're, you're speaking to us from Zimbabwe. It's, it's your home country. Um, can you talk a little bit about the history of food and agriculture in your country and what led you to create Zimsof, the Zimbabwe Smallholder Organic Farmers Forum? And just why food sovereignty is important for Zimsof and for Zimbabwe? To begin with, Tanya, I can say the agriculture system in my country, for ages and ages, when we grew up with our grand-grandparents, they were telling us they were growing their food organically without any use of any fertilizers. They were growing their food naturally. But when the colonialists came to our country, they now introduced 
this industrial farming system, like they wanted to promote the businesses rather than focusing more on producing healthy food for the people. And as we grew up, we know very well, we were just supposed to grow maize, which the colonialists found it can create a good market for getting the diversity of food crops which were grown by our ancestors in our country. And right now, we have commercial farmers who are really producing through industrial farming system. And now we are here talking of agroecology farming system, which we are now fighting to have policies that can also support the agroecology farming system because we know very well, we have really witnessed that this is the only solution which can help the poor of the poorest to manage to feed their families. Sure. So essentially, the idea with creating SIMSOF um, and the food sovereignty movement there in Zimbabwe is about, to some extent, it's an answer and it's a resistance to a, a colonial imposition of agriculture. Yes. You know, one thing about this concept of food sovereignty that we're, we're starting to get into the richness of is, you know, you've, you've already named some of the key components of food sovereignty, right? That it's people's right to define their own food and agricultural policies and make their own decisions about the food that they grow in a way that's sustainable and, and culturally appropriate. But what I love also about this movement and this concept is that it's always evolving and responding to new priorities that are emerging from the peasant communities themselves, and in particular from peasant communities in the Global South. And one issue that's become really central to the work has been combating violence against women. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how and why this became such an important priority for La Via Campesina. And I know that you've been a leader around this issue as well. Tanya, it is so sad to mention about the violence against women, yet we know very well, not necessarily in Africa alone, but across the globe, the women are the main food producers. The women are the people who are centered to everything, to the livelihoods of a human being, from the birthright to the growth right, until death, the way the women have been disrespected, not recognized, not given that opportunity to be the women who can change the world. But yet we know very well, women can do it. Women can change the world, be a better world with good healthy food, with good healthy people. We also need the women to feel that they are people in the communities, in the society, in the countries. They are able to decide by themselves. They are also able to gather together, to socialize, to produce, to process, to package, to link with the market and have a sustainable life freely without being manipulated, 
without being jeopardized. So I think this is why as Lavia Kambasina, we thought, no, I think we should really try to fight to have this struggle to stop violence against women. I think it's so interesting to hear you talk about, of course, as I've seen as well, and just in multiple countries, how women really are at the center in so many rural communities of growing that healthy food, of making sure that their families receive the nutrition that they need, and also holding so much knowledge about farming and about seeds. But even beyond growing food and preparing food, women are, are often on the front lines of defending the land uh, in violent confrontations sometimes with land grabbers standing in front of bulldozers, standing in front of tanks to protect their land, you know, speaking out against the use of dangerous pesticides and the impacts that those have on, on peasant families. So really there are so many roles that women play, I think, in this fight for food sovereignty. It is true, it is true, Tanya. Even if we look right now, the moment we are facing due to this COVID, you see that the women are the most people who have been affected by this uh, pandemic. We are no longer able to gather as women and to socialize as we used to do, to exchange our seeds, and also to take our goods to the nearest market together as we used to do, it's now one man for himself, which is not really good for the agroecology concept we are talking about. Because agroecology, we know it's about the social cohesion, where we work together, where we do our things together, we share our knowledge together. So you see that the women right now we are no longer able to do that and we are no longer able to bring food on the table as we used to do and now the men take advantage of beating the women then this is another violence which has been caused by the covid so an, an increase in domestic violence you're saying yes yeah and that's something we've seen here in the united states as well is really a, a big concern around violence in the home so you've, you've started um, talking a little bit about agroecology and why agroecology is more appropriate and why especially, you know, women farmers are fighting for agroecology. Can you explain a little bit what agroecology is and, and why it's so important? What we know about agroecology, this is our local knowledge, which we know very well that it also associates with the environmental concept, taking care of the environment, taking care of the soils. You have to build all what you want through agroecology, not necessarily someone coming to you to tell you you have to use an amount of fertilizers, then you can reap quite a lot of bags of maize, no. But agroecology, you start with the soils, the environment, which is in your surrounding. Then you can also decide what type of seeds do I really want to use? And we talk of our own local indigenous seeds, which are also resilient to the droughts because we are facing 
a very big challenge right now with the climate crisis. Now with the agroecology concept, we have seen that even if we don't have enough rains with agroecology farming practices, we know very well you can manage to harvest enough food for the people. You can also harvest enough food to sell to your community members. And also we know very well how healthy agroecology farming practices are to the lives of the people because there are no use of pesticides. We don't use any herbicides on our farms. So this is very, very important. Can you think of an example that you could share of an agroecological practice or a technique maybe that you use yourself or that's used in your community? As we speak, we are busy preparing for the coming season and we have already managed to do some water harvesting techniques because we know very well that the water table in our region is very, very low. And we managed to capture the little drop of water we receive. Mm -hmm. So we are practicing what we call water harvesting techniques, whereby each farmer has to have those techniques on his or her farm. And also to manage the environment, we are also insisting the members to plant a lot of trees, different species around our areas, so that we also attract the rains when it is time for the rains. So quite a lot is happening due to the practices of agroecology. And we are also using our own local indigenous seeds. And also we usually plan what we call farmer to farmer exchange visits, whereby farmers from Mozambique can come to Zimbabwe to share the experiences of agroecology, to share the seeds which they have. Farmers from South Africa, farmers from Namibia, across the globe. This is how agroecology is practiced. Absolutely. I think people sometimes have this idea of farmers as being very isolated or being in the rural area and not connecting with the rest of the world and sharing this global knowledge and technologies and innovations. But of course, what you're pointing at now is that there are these exchanges in the region and exchanges globally where farmers are learning from each other and how important that is, probably especially with climate change, right? But can you talk a little bit more about how the climate, the changing climate is affecting smallholder food production, and especially women? The reality is that climate change is real, and the crisis has already been felt. As I said before, we are no longer able to feed our family. This is due to climate change because there are extreme, extreme heats. And in some areas, there are floods which have already destroyed the land. In some cases, if you remember, we had the El Nino, which also killed many, many peasants, destroyed their homes, and left the people homeless. This is also typically affecting the woman who is the food producer, who is the person who looks after the family. So, if this climate change continues, 
automatically the woman who is on the farm who is at home will not have that strength to continue producing food and we are not so sure of are we going to manage this climate crisis you know what tanya these meetings the cop tennis which are trying to come up with solutions but we have never witnessed a single solution out of these cop 20s now they are coming to cop 25 are they going to manage to come up with the actual solution rather than try to come and talk to the really farmers who are practically on the ground and see how best we can work together to adapt to this climate change because we are not researchers, but we have some knowledge, Tanya, and we can also prove to the world that the way we are adapting to climate change is of good health to the soul, it's of good health to the environment and to the people. So climate change has really affected the rural women who are the majority of food producers, Tanya. Do you want to speak a little bit to some of the other, you know, we've talked about climate change and violence against women, which takes many different forms, but what are some of the other challenges that women smallholder farmers face? We have been reading much about patriarchy, patriarchy, patriarchy. Even right now, the men still want to control everything on the farm, regardless he's working on the farm or he's not working on the farm. So this patriarchal system is another big challenge. And also the increase of some of our governments around the globe, they are putting more concentration on corporate farming, you know? And also the land is being grabbed. Land is being taken away from the farmers and some of the farmers have been there on the farms for ages and ages. But now, because of the investments that are taking land away from the people and the farmers are left homeless, why should we really put more emphasis on displacing people who are the majority of food producers? And at the end of the day, we say people are hungry. There's no food, yet their land has been taken away, yet they've been displaced from their origin. So lastly, Elizabeth, um, I, I appreciate you so much and I, I really appreciate this conversation. And I really wanna end on a, on a positive and a hopeful note, but I think it's so important to center peasant women and especially African peasant women as the solution in addressing our planetary crises. What are some of the main solutions that African women peasant leaders like yourself are calling for right now? One of our biggest call is to begin with our local leaders because we know very well where we are living. We have these local leaders who are so influential and we are looking at the issues of policy formulation processes. We really need policies that promote so we can also engage our local leaders in such a way that when they meet with the government, they're also going to lobby to advocate for the policies that support food sovereignty and our agroecology farming systems. Another call is also maybe 
to let the people know that with La Via Cambacina, we have done quite a lot in spaces like the United Nations, FAO, especially the General Assembly, whereby we already managed to have the recognition of agroecology and also the declaration of the right of peasants, which was also supported by the United Nations General Assembly in New York in 2018. It is a great achievement of what La Via Campesina has managed to do. And this is a message I just want to leave to the people that with agroecology farming system, you won't go wrong. We really need solidarity amongst ourselves. And if we want to create a better world, we should really try to work together, to come together, to share our knowledges and move together, not necessarily leaving the South for the South, the South problems to the South, the West problems for the West. I think we really need to unite and have a strong, strong voice and together we can change the world to a better world. This conversation was recorded on August 7th, 2020, as part of a Growing Cultures Hunger for Justice series. It was edited for this podcast format, but you can view the full broadcast and other episodes in the series at agrowingculture.org. To learn more about the international peasant movement for food sovereignty, visit viacampesina.org. Thanks for listening to Foodtopias. Growing Food, Cultivating Utopia. Foodtopias is produced by Real Food Media in partnership with our food movement allies and edited by Asal Isanapur. I'm Tanya Kersen and my co-producer is Tiffany Patton. Our theme music is Set Me Free by Will Magid. On the next episode of Foodtopias, Tiffany talks with Shiny Flannery, the farmer, organizer, and visionary behind Portland's Come Through Market an incubator market showcasing Black, Indigenous, and farmers of color. To subscribe and listen to our two podcasts, Foodtopias and Real Food Reads, look for Real Food Media wherever you get your podcasts. For transcripts, resources, and information about our amazing guests, visit realfoodmedia.org.